When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Padaroonie, Padaroonie, sponsored by Jack Cody's, the beer that no beer can come near. Well, well, the beer can come near, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't match up with Jack Cody's beer. It, it it just wouldn't. It would be a total mismatch. Jack Cody's beer, which is brewed in the lovely town of Drada. Drada, the town that has an anti-R law, where the R is not pronounced. Hence, the pronunciation of Mazba, Aka, Ababa. There's just no ah, Jack Cody's beer. It's it's the beer, the beer. It it's the bear. Yep. So hey, uh, thanks for um, downloading and subscribing. And um, I am in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe, and I'm sitting in the little apartment that I rented out for the um, two weeks that I came over to do a gig in the hive which i finished my last one last night and uh, it was lovely altogether. i had a good time here did a couple of the best of irish gigs over in the stand theater and uh, a couple other really odd gigs there was another was another one where the audience all had plastic tomatoes and they could throw them at any point and i really had to offend them to get them to throw them so i just called them all English bastards. Not that they were all English, but there was quite a few of them. And eventually I got them to uh, throw their tomatoes. Uh, I did a couple of very odd gigs, to be honest. There's lots of gigs. If you wanted a gig for for nothing, or for, for £10 at the Edinburgh Fringe, you could gig all day. It's that kind of thing. There's just every room... Every room has a gig on, but there's some people who are running gigs where they, they ask people to come in and just do a 10-minute spot. And I suppose the uh, idea of it is that you advertise your own show, but some of those gigs can be tough gigs because there's no quality control going on whatsoever. But um, And I'm doing another thing tomorrow night um, where I'm being asked to get drunk, where all the acts are asked to get drunk before they go up on stage. So I'm going to give that a go. I think. I don't know whether I should or not. Because I don't want to be hung over. But perhaps I can get really drunk really quickly and sober up before I go to bed and have a hangover 
before I get up. Why am I doing this? All right. So I've seen some interesting shows. Uh, I went to arrived uh, nearly two weeks ago, and I saw Caroline Duffy, the poet. That was good, and I went straight on to uh, B. Dolan and Sage Francis, the uh, rappers, and I've got an interview with B. Dolan, which I'll be putting out on the podcast uh, next week. And uh, but my favorite, my favorite of the whole lot, and I'm going to be interviewing him for the podcast as well as Paul Curry, Paul Curry from Belfast, and he's just the most amazing, incredible act. It's very physical and musical and visual, but it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, some other Irish acts are Martin Moore, Andrew Ryan, um, Totally Wired, fantastic show. And uh, I'm going to see a fellow called Darren Walsh tonight, he's a pun just as an hour of just an hour of puns check him out online actually i did last night and he's i'm really looking forward to that so that's brilliant so some other mad shit of ali bryce which is an amazing show and another one that's very visual and physical and very hard to explain um but just an amazing 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 show with just madness and that's the one thing about Edinburgh you will see just some shows are just insane and one of the shows and I don't know if I even know why I like this was Madam Senorita the X-Bector and it was just insane but I'm not sure if it would be anyway but what's the point in talking about you haven't seen it but you will see just mad shows and I did stick to the kind of uh, uh, free fringe so that I could go in and just um, if it was rubbish I didn't didn't just give him a pound uh, but if it was great I just paid the full price um, however in the next few days I'm getting to see some of the other fringe and uh, it's been good because I only did two weeks and I can see the other acts that have done a whole month uh, are beginning to lose their sanity uh, it's that kind of festival it's where it's where um, acts are broken it's where the the dreams of young comedians and old I should say are broken and they go back to wherever they came from just um, scarred and it's the most bizarre thing I know that most people don't even really think about it the weird thing about being at the Edinburgh Fringe is that when you go home after it you think that it's been that everyone knows about it and no one and then you go back home and people go the what 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 where were you um so there you go and that's the um that's the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe and I'm, I'm heading out now soon to do some more stuff so it's been an interesting two weeks and uh, in the meantime I've put out the Barry Crimmins uh, podcast last last uh, week and uh, thanks for the reaction to that it was very good and I have some great suggestions for new new people to talk to uh, also um, and so you know uh, this one uh, now is um, Pat Omani and uh, Anyone my age will remember Pat O'Manley for being the co-producer on the fashion show Head to Toe. But he's done a lot more things and we will talk about them, including our... uh, It's not a part of his career, but uh, an incident that happened to the two of us one night when walking back from town where we were much younger men and when Dublin was a, a much more dangerous place. It's probably dangerous now, but um, it just felt more dangerous. Um, uh, perhaps um, as you get older you just get better at avoiding danger you know you know that you know when you're young this is what you do worry about having when you have kids your own that, that they're naive and that you they have a few drinks and they think they can wander around city centres and that there won't be these 
ridiculously awful people who just want to fucking attack people for no reason. Because I'm sure it still happens that there are these uh, gangs of usually young men who just attack people and beat them up. They are right there, I'm sure. But as you get older, you just get more wary and more kind of uh, have a knack of sniffing danger and getting away from it. But speaking of being out in Dublin late at night, I was at, uh, did the uh, Ivy Gardens uh, festival there two weeks ago, probably now. And uh, I had a few drinks afterwards and on my way uh, back, I was out in the street. It was a Sunday night. It was a it was a bank holiday weekend. There was two men walking down the street and one of them was so fucking drunk that he couldn't stand and his friend was trying to get him up. And then he got sick, he puked up, and, and lots of people just gathered around and, and helped him. And isn't that amazing? Did I talk about this already in the last part? Because I'm not sure, but it was amazing to see that. And it's obviously uh, stayed in my heart. That's how Dublin looks after drunks. Yeah. Uh, well, have a listen to uh, Pat O'Mahony, and thanks for uh, subscribing. And uh, if it's your first time, give me a star rating, etc., etc. But here, have a listen to this. There we are now. Okay, so how are you, Pat? How's the crack? Very good, thanks for the coffee. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm cheap, I can be boss for a coffee. Yeah, uh, you're... Uh Eye is you've got a black eye. You cut to the chase, don't yeah. you? There's no intro. Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm joined in studio by the that's wonderful who has a history of and does a bit of this and does a bit of that. That's no. all done earlier. No, that <laughs> yeah, uh, I've already done Will that. Let be done in the edit, Ted. But I mean, the reason you're here really is because you're black eye. <laughs> <laughs> you're the yeah. first to know about. Well, you're not the first yeah. to know about it. But you're the first to uh, ask me about it uh, using modern audio <laughs> recording technology. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we should explain it because we're going to have to take a photograph here. We are. Later. And, uh, well, you can keep your glasses on. You keep the, gla- the shades on, but just so that people know you're not uh, we'll do it. We'll do a before and after. You I am do- wearing sunglasses, folks. No, I'm mm. not wearing them right now, but I did walk mm. in earlier wearing sunglasses inside. I felt very Bono-esque. Mm. I also Irish felt people like are- a twat. You could do that if you're American, no problem, man. You wouldn't even have to explain it. But uh, yeah. in Ireland, you really I have to say, say I'm, I'm sorry I'm wearing shades. <laughs> <laughs> even in the sun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about this. I know it's pretentious. Uh, but, anyway, so what do you want uh, to know? Well, uh, okay, uh, Pat, did you grow... You, I know you grew up in... Hang in, on, whoa. You don't want to you know want to know? Okay, let's first. go then. I thought I you thought, wanted I a, thought, No, I don't want anything. I'm peaking there, actually. <laughs> you're well past your peak, Joe. Uh... Yeah, but just don't shout and you'll be fine. I uh, no, tell us tell us a story because we have a story. Similar. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought okay. it was interesting coming in here uh, this morning um, mm. with a black eye. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's now as we record Tuesday yeah. morning, yeah, in Dublin's fair city, and I was out uh, having a few pints with a friend in town on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and we were sitting outside a pub, mm-hmm. and we were sitting at the end of the outdoor area. Uh, and beside us was a kind of windbreaker uh, c- uh, cloth br- thing that yeah. said this is the, you know, and it, it, it was maybe six foot high. You know, one of those 
yeah. odd shaped things that you put it to designate the end of the area. This is the area where you sit outside. Yeah. And uh, we were on our last point. Uh, we were all ready to go, just finishing off. And next minute I heard, I said, is someone pissing beside me? And I pulled back the breaker, the mm. club, and there was a guy pissing against the wall mm. about three feet from us. Pissed. Pissing pissed. Mm-hmm. And I had words, but I was told to go and mind my own business. And I kind of went, we've all been caught short, you know, maybe. And then I turned back and I was talking with my mate. And the next minute I noticed that running under between me and the table was a yeah. drain. Uh-uh. And it ran past the side entrance to the pub and down through the other people who were sitting outside. Mm. And there's your man's piss. Mm. flowing down this I lost the rag a bit I said oi I said come on there's a loo downstairs here in this pub go and use that you don't have to piss there the immortal words were uttered do you want to smack not by me but yeah. my cut short friend mm. I said you wouldn't dare so words to that effect anyway he That's very polite zipped up <laughs> and came around and I went out to meet him and he was going to smack me. Best form of defence is attack, allegedly. So as he approached me, as soon as he got an arm's reach, I gave him a shove, which I think surprised him. And I gave him another shove. By the time the third or fourth shove, because he was coming at me, mm. um, the barmen, three of the barmen were out. Mm. And of course, they thought two Egypts having a fight. As soon as they found out what happened, because everyone around them, everyone outside, everyone around explained your man was taking a waz, etc. And they just turned to him and said, mate, you are some Egypt, just go. Mm-hmm. But your man was having none of that because I had, in large inverted commas, attacked him. Mm. Uh, so, um, are we still running? Yes. You're checking, our, you're checking, checking the audio. Um, yes. You can edit out that bit. Or in fact, leave it in to show that life is real. Yeah, no, that's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're mad. Podcasts are daft like that. The internet, you can put anything up in it and people listen. Yeah. So it's real. It's <laughs> this is really real. Yeah. So uh um the b- b- barman one of the barmen stood between the pair of us and was saying to your man, you can't be doing that and you, you know, whatever. And eventually I even said to him, Listen, do you know what? Let's just shake it. Forget about it. Forget it happened. Just shake it. Let's leave it. It was silly. Oh no, no, couldn't be doing that. Couldn't be mm-hmm. doing that. So I went, oh, all right. And Barman kind of said, look, go, just go in and sit down. We'll get rid of the boy wonder here. Mm. And as I turned my back, I said, this would be the ideal opportunity for him to hit me. And that's what he did. <laughs> that's he that's hit, a- hit me from behind with a right hook that caught yeah. me in the side of the temple up at the eye. Mm. Um, I didn't fall over, but I went down because I knew I'd been hit in shock. I went down kind of one knee. Mm. And it Two of the guys sitting at the table beside us happened to be doctors and were straight over mm. and uh, got me sitting down. Someone brought out cloth wrap, you know, ice wrapped in a cloth and um, I put that to it. And the other guys then examined it, turned the, you know, the little lights on and their had the little torch phones. Well, they, no, oh, no, yeah, phone, you know, yeah, and they yeah. were looking at it and count how many fingers mm. and whatever. And an ambulance at this stage was called and the cops were called. The cops were there very fast. I was really mm. impressed with how quick the guards got mm. there. And there was about four or five of them for little old me. And um, 
your man had tried to do a runner, but the barman who had been standing between us had followed him mm. and wasn't letting him go and made him stay outside the front of the pub so that when the guards arrived, found out what happened. Guard came in to me and mm. she handed me her business card and said, you know, listen, give me a shout tomorrow. Um, and I said, we're, you know, she talked and we talk about pressing charges. I said, I don't think so. I mean, you know, silly, stupid, drunken incident. Probably not. I mean, I didn't say it definitely not, but well, I said probably a, not. Well, that's the thing, though. Should you not? Why should, why, why should I ruin his life, waste my time and nothing come of it? In fairness, if he gets and we talked about this, she said, mm. I'll arrest him. And mm. I said, that may be all the fright he needs. Right. And if job is there for if, if, if job is done by arresting him and he says, oh, I was an idiot. I'm sorry. I genuinely means it. And yeah. F- then job done. You I suppose. I suppose. Job done. Mm. Job done. So uh, it's uh, it's a thing that happens as you uh, get uh, uh, nothing. You know, as you get older, you, you just don't you, uh, kind of people doing ridiculous things on the street annoy you more. You say, I, sh- I want to say something about this. Yeah, I, I find it with littering. Yeah, littering is real. People, smokers who just throw their butts on the ground. I think yeah. what do you think? Butts aren't cigarette butts aren't litter. I've yeah. stopped doing it because it doesn't. It generally just doesn't lead anywhere. People just think you're a troublemaker. Mind your own business. It, uh, it, there's no point in doing it if you're just being grumpy old man. If yeah. it doesn't have an effect, and there are better way like to do that properly yeah. and change people's minds. Smokers think. They genuinely think that cigarette butts aren't litter. I mean, they're idiots in that yeah. way. Well, they're idiots because they're addicts. And addicts, sorry, addicts ah, well, they're are idiots. You can't say addicts are idiots. Of course they are, cause they're, they're, because they're... No, you can't. It's when an you addiction. Are, when you are, yes, I, I listen, I'm being slightly yeah. facetious, but mm. when you're an addict, the only thing you care about is your addiction. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah. And so you lose a lot of logical... Uh, constructive thought goes out the window because all you're worried about is if it's a serious drug problem, if it's a, if it's coffee, if it, what is to less a lesser degree your next hit. Yeah. But addicts, most cigarette smokers that I know, will if you say to them, "Is a cigarette butt litter?" They'll say yes, but that's not reflected in their actions. I don't see how that has a, 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 a connection to an addiction because you can be. Um you can still put your cigarette butt away. You, uh, you would think so, but as I said... You could be a very tidy heroin just, addict. It just does yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. and, and mm. there's a lot of lot of logic to legalising drugs because it's not the heroin that kills people, it's the crap that's I in it. I think it's... Uh, well, I think there's a lot of reason and I think anybody who has gone through the addiction of drugs that uh, legalising is not not just the way to it, it stops crime it stops because, everything uh, it stops further addiction because no one's pushing drugs on people um, it stops all the crime of yeah. the people who are making money out of yeah. drugs it takes, takes, takes it out of the, the crime of yeah. the junkies who yeah. are trying to get money to the crap that it's cut with that makes people and, sick and ill and, and, and kills them probably yeah, they yeah. will actually live it a long life it reduces crime use it reduces crime just, and it reduces drug use but if you where's say where's the no brainer why in that? do people go nuts so where's the no no brainer in that yeah yeah why yeah. do people go oh moral if you mor- say because legal. oh moral crusade <laughs> drugs are evil so you can't be dealing with yes, yes. Uh, you, you, so many people die of alcohol addiction, and but you see, that's, that's fine. historical. That's taken as read. That's accepted. People were not a very logical 
uh, invention, human beings. Mm. We do think we think we go into the supermarket to buy stuff we want. We, you know, we don't. We the the the, 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 mm. the the advertisers and the brand designers and the layout supermarket layout people have us by the short and curlies. I should even say people die of, of uh, nicotine addiction. Yeah, I mean, of course they do. Horrible deaths. Anyway, can we go back to my story? Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you got. <laughs> yeah, but listen, come so here. So I, uh, I said, to, I said to her, I didn't want to press charges, and I rang her the next day, and yeah. seemingly he was all apologetic and realised what a fool he'd been. Yeah, and and you know, and that's enough. So uh, mm. he bust me glasses. But, you know, they weren't the most expensive pair of glasses in the world. Mm. Um, I have a spare pair. Um, uh, I have a sore socket. Mm-hmm. But that'll be fine. And it gives you something to ask me about because we'd have sat here in stony yes, that's silence true. But otherwise. the reason this is, in, you know, such a great subject to start with is because me and you have... Yep. A, All those years ago. Years and years ago. We have ago, history. We have history. We're walking we've down history. Baggett Street and mm. got attacked by some youths. We were out a very late one night. If it was, I was living in Raglan Road. You, you were living where? Waterloo Road. Waterloo Road, yeah. So that would have been the late eighties. I'm talking. Mm. I'm thinking eighty seven, eighty eight direction. Yep. Because uh, uh, I moved down to Sandy Mount, I think in eighty eight, eighty nine. Okay, but I, I was actually not. I, I was working that night in a okay. in a hotel ah, okay. or in I a was, restaurant. I was coming out I met, late from some yeah. watering hole. Mm. Where alcohol was served. Yeah, we were strolling were down Baggett. I'm sure I was. We were strolling down Baggett Street. We were going by that. I think it was a Seven Eleven at the time. That's right. That yeah, was on Baggett Street, and there was these guys hanging outside it. I have no memory of them saying anything, of us saying anything. Did you remember? Words no, we being didn't said? say anything. Did they say? I anything? might have said "How are you, lads?" or something. Did they say anything to us? Ah, uh, there wasn't much said. I, I got, no. There was more like they came around. They came ar- and I and suddenly, uh, fe- fe- I was punched. Yeah, knocked over. You were hit. I, I think I was slow to re- slower to react. And we both ran. Uh yeah. I ran straight through the the T junction at Waterloo Road and Baggett Street, heading towards Raglan Road. Yeah. You turned right. I was going to you turn slipped. right, but I tripped and my shoe came off. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was on the ground, uh, just protecting myself from kicks. And at which stage I doubled punches. back, going. Right. <laughs> to watch I better better get a ringside seat on this <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by uh, which time a cab driver had pulled up yeah, yeah right? now cab driver with the person that I knew uh, in, ah. as a passenger ah okay, so, ah, there's, ah, okay. Jo- there's Joe Rooney getting beaten up <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like, this was before smartphones he'd have, yeah. he'd have filmed it otherwise he would have yeah <laughs> so uh yeah, they just stopped and uh, said, you're right, <laughs> you're right there. I think actually that's what they said. Yeah, right. And you're, did the other right lads there. run at that stage? They ran, yeah. And we actually did, uh, I think the taxi driver did try and follow them. Oh, wow. And, and they were down a street and then they ran again, which was no point. So it was no point. Yeah, they, were, yeah. they were young. So we have history. Yeah, and I think it was... Uh, I think it was your massive earring was the fault of us getting beaten. Did up. they think I may have been of the homosexual persuasion? I think they thought the two of us were a, a gay couple. Now they'd home. insist we get married. <laughs> yes, they would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I may, I may have that. had three of those massive earrings. I, you had? I had three. Yeah. I took, no, them, I think I I took was, them out in 2003. I was wearing a loud jacket as okay. well. Yeah, I mean that's a good reason he, to be did they, I didn't know they it made. Was, it was my fault, really. I didn't know they made jackets in loud. Understand why? Jackets in loud. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Aldi. 
But you used to get that a lot. Uh, I used to, used to, not beaten up, but you used to get fellas going, yeah, yeah, queer. You know, a lot. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. It's weird, like, because yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, people feel they have an, an inalienable right to shout, shout abuse at people in the street. If you yeah. talk, I'm sure if you talk to your female friends, they get it all the time. Mm. It's still an issue. It hasn't gone away. Yeah, it's a very strange thing because you feel that anger, but, you know, you, you can't really... Uh, it's like drunk people feel they have the right to piss on the street yeah. beside where people are sitting enjoying their last pint of the yeah. night. I had an issue in Drogheda one day. During the middle of the day, there was a young gang of young people. Those bloody young people. And uh, But one fella threw a uh, bottle, a plastic bottle of uh, half-filled with Lucas just up in the air yeah, and yeah. fell on the street. That was hilarious. And uh, I just said, D- did you just throw that there? And he goes, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Or whatever. I can't remember his accent. Drada. What are you going to do, do about, about it? it? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to just pick it up. And that, the thing is, I was with my kids and they were, they were about eight and ten at the time. And they were going, Daddy, and, uh, shut up, Daddy. Oh, they were just a bit shocked because I did lose yeah, the head with yeah, them. Yeah. And uh, he wouldn't pick it up. But people just walked by muttering things like, yeah, it's a disgrace, but no one would back me up. That's group psychology. Uh, yeah. You know, people act very oddly in groups. Uh, I mean, it's a science. We don't mm. interfere. For a number of reasons, mm. um, and it's not because we're bad. We, if, if someone is on the street and there's no one else around, and you're the only one there, you'll 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 go over to him and and, and her, him or her and, and and ask, are they okay? If the street is crowded, you'll walk by. The same person will do different things depending yeah. on the circumstances. All group, depending on how but, they're dressed, depending on whether they look drunk or ill or respectable or mm. down and all these different things, whether. If if in a large group someone breaks off and stops, nearly everyone else will will then stop. That's common group yeah. psychology. It's it's, oh, it's, it? it's, it's but not, do you not we're not bad or evil or or it's just how human brain works. Yeah, yeah. But isn't there a thing in uh, I would say in Irish society because I would imagine if most things that are typically Irish aren't they're typically just really? human. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I, would you not say in a German? I know, I know German society probably has, has its bad points. <laughs> <laughs> they have a sense of humour, those Germans. But, uh, will people not say, let's say if you put your feet up on the seat in the train, someone would just Oh, go, there are different, more, different no, mores at different times. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there are different mores at diff- different. But I remember I went to Germany as mm. a kid in 1980. I was just, I had a few months to kill, mm. had an operation on my foot and I was going to see the doc again five months later. I'd left college. I was just hanging around faffing. Mm. So I went off to your pitching and travelling and working. And I, the first place I worked was in a gherkin That's f- a packing pickle. factory, a little pickle yeah. uh, in southern Germany. Oh, in a gherkin packing, packing factory. factory. Yeah. And what struck me straight away was I went over with this German stereotype of hardworking, industrious, efficient mm. um, and the older Germans in the factory who would have remembered World War Two and mm. the mess that was there afterwards and the communal uh, spirit of let's sort this out and let's get back on our feet were hardworking and industrious and efficient. The kids that were there in the factory were like kids anywhere. They were bored. They were restless. They were going the fruitcake am I doing here mm. but they were all Germans so it was just time and circumstances yeah you know? okay there's nothing like interestingly enough I saw John Creedon's doc about uh, the east coast he's yeah. done he did the wild way and, and he's, yeah. he's, he's got on some notion of finding out what it means to be Irish and one of the 
people he spoke to as a geneticist in TCD that I know, Aoife McLeisett, she said there's no genetic marker for being Irish. Oh yeah, I can uh, I can understand that. There's no the the whole thing of races is, is yeah. False. So or there is no a, any, any, it's any, different any characteristics are mostly imagined, and yeah. the ones that you can identify are just time and circumstance. They're not permanent. Yeah, they're learned, and okay. not everyone will have them. Okay, but hang on, I think your language can can, can change your psychology. Yeah, the language. If you, the more if, languages if you, you have, the better. Okay, but I mean, uh, different languages have different slants. You know what I mean? It's easier to talk about probably romance and sex in French. <laughs> it without it being uh, no, no, I think it must be no. German is more good language I, for I, psychology I, or something. No, I don't think so. Do you I not think, think so? No, I think that's poppycock. Ah, I, I don't poppycock. Know. I haven't studied it, but I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, make, I'm making it up as I go along, Pat, now, and uh, yeah. bear with me on this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it must, it must. Why must it? Because if you've got no way of expressing an idea but in you your have, language, then if, you can't think about that but idea. But if you have, well, who, said, who said the Germans don't have a way of expressing romance? We all Okay, have, say, for example, uh, German word for a nipple, I believe, is breastwort. A breastwort. So you're not going to say, ooh, nice press words. <laughs> I've never said nice nipples to anyone. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have. <laughs> I may have thought it. Uh, I've thought about it. I've never said, hey, nice nipples. Hey, um, ooh, the nips are getting bigger. <laughs> song about drink. Yeah, yeah. It's not It's not a racist yes. song. Uh, or a nipple song. No. Um it must anyway listen this is we're way off the I don't the mind track that here, I don't mind that we've lost all three of your listeners are gone <laughs> what the f- uh, A we can't see this black guy yeah. B what in God's name but you and I have history that go way back I mean I don't yeah. know how how like not only did we get mugged together once that mm. kind of ties in with the current situation mm. here Um. When I started off in this business that we will loosely refer to as show, mm-hmm. um, when I left uh, college, NIHE Dublin, it's now DCU, when I left there in 86, I was full t- the first full-time ENTS officer there. And I was ENTS officer and publications manager. Because oh, yeah. the place wasn't big enough for a full-time ENTS officer. It was too big for someone to do it as a student, but it wasn't big enough. Yeah, so they the threw ends. in publications with it. And that's how I got involved in hot press mm. and I was in doing some work with hot press and I went along I wanted to, oh, to yeah. see if I could write turns, yeah. turns out I couldn't particularly at least not then I've learned a little since the first gig that I reviewed for hot press was in the underground yeah. at the bottom of Dame Street bottom of George Street on Dame Street uh, and it was a band from Dublin called Guernica. Guernica that I was in. That's you were the singer in Guernica. Singer. So the first gig I ever, I ever reviewed. You reviewed. And, was and it? I've no idea what I said. Oh, really? Okay. I have I no just, idea. But even, I'd obviously... Even at this far removed, I want to know if it was it, good or it bad. It didn't have that much of an impact, <laughs> obviously, because when I told you about it earlier, you couldn't remember it. Uh, no. Oh, God, it's sorry. not in your scrapbook I, of, of essential uh, reviews. Maybe it's because I remember... First of all, I remember a review. I think John Fisher did a review oh, in wow. a kind of an Irish version of Smash Hits, like a, a glossy Spotlight. S- no, no, it wasn't Spotlight. It was fresh. after Spotlight. It was fresh. Fresh. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Christine Ryan edited it. Right, right, right. 
Uh, I do Fiona remember. Fiona Looney was involved in it as well at uh, one stage. Okay, and there was also uh, a review in Enemy by some fella that was good too. And then there was bad stuff that George George Bourne hated. Yeah, hated yeah, yeah. He thing. would have he would yeah. have pulled Guernica out of the bag regularly as an example of what pretentiousness or yeah, yeah Dublin yeah. lads trying to be pretentious. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Wasn't but he's, a fan. Yeah, you know, but he was. Uh, I made it up years later. And you so gave him the money. <laughs> 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 and uh, but you also didn't you? So were you in the same class in college as Ardla Hanlon? A lot Barry of people. Morf, a lot of people asked me that. It was a year ahead of them. A year ahead of them. So right, Kevin yeah. Gildee was in our class. Yeah. So Kev, and Kevin stayed back. Kevin took a year out to be student union president when we oh, were he? in. I think as we were going into third year, so he ended up back with Barry Murphy, Ardlo Hanlon. Mm. Uh, Dermot Carmody had started with us but he dropped out completely mm-hmm. um, I think he dropped out in in first year I don't, he didn't finish the course at all but he was out there for a while uh, Anne Gildee was a year or two behind us yeah um, so it was a hotbed of comedy um, just for men I remember there. I went to London in 98 I spent 11 years in London I came back in 09 and mm. I remember um, there was an Irish programme on a Saturday evening on GLR, Greater London Radio which is mm. now BBC London it's, mm-hmm. it was a, a brilliant station mm. and uh, the presenter, I met them and they asked me if I would do some stuff with, you know, on the show, music review Irish music reviews and Irish music news mm. gossip and then they rang me on the Thursday and said, that was on a Tuesday I met them and on the Thursday they rang me and said, actually can you present the programme on Saturday uh, uh, the presenter is sick. <laughs> wow. So I ended up presenting it for a few weeks. And in one of those, I interviewed Kevin Gildee. Um, he was in town to do some preview shows for the Edinburgh Comedy Festival mm. that he was heading up to. And uh, I remember at one stage saying to him, Kevin, I hear, here's the thing. All right. What most listeners here won't know is that we were at college together and Ardle and mm. Barry Murphy and uh, a few others were also around. You were never funny at college. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. So I don't remember them as doing the comedy or, or being. They certainly weren't hilarious around the place. You know, they weren't a laugh a minute. But that's not their style of comedy anyway. Yeah, I don't think uh, a lot of comedians would be the, the hilarious fella. Tell us a joke, kind of yeah. fella in yeah, the yeah. pub. Or yeah, exactly. Kind of quiet. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, shy kind of cynical people who make introspective little jokes yeah <laughs> <laughs> insecure snide <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so then when you left college what did you do um, first thing I did Hot was I, first thing I did was oh. I was full time go on Come here, did you uh, would you have known then was Arthur Matthews Arthur in was in Hot Press at the time and Graham Linehan Graham Linehan yeah. so I, I did my year as full time ENTS officer I had I had been ENTS officer in what's now DCU and NIHE Dublin mm. when I was in second year mm-hmm. and then when I graduated in 86 I did it for a year and then I thought right that's enough guys I've hang, had enough of this lovely place I'm out of here what, what, I, what kind of bands were you booking? Uh, the very first band mm. I gave the very first Freshers Ball I booked when I was a student mm. someone reminded me of them the other day um, were Auto de Fe Auto de Fe but I would have booked uh, the part I don't think the Blades I think they were gone but the Partisans Paul Clear and the Partisans oh, I would right. have booked a house I would have booked um, 
the ama- do you remember the uh, above the thunderclouds? They're precursors to the amazing colossal men. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Joey the, Barry, uh, and Sid Rainey, Garth Lee, Garth Lee, who's the, now a Jack producer. Knightley. Jack Knightley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Produced, uh, they were a band. Patrol. They were in a band. Yeah, that uh, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, they were yeah. in a band that actually, they're for, for, they were a free lunchtime gig, and someone literally pulled the plug on them. I.e., I was running power out from a socket in, mm-hmm. in one of the labs, <laughs> and, <laughs> and someone, someone walked by and went up. Uh, I just pulled the plug. Just didn't like that. I just had a devilment. For a laugh. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there weren't being abusive. No, I don't. Well, I don't think so. I never found out who it was. I have no yeah. idea who it was. Okay. Uh, who mm-hmm. else would I have given gigs to? Uh, Paul Webb was my kind of on call DJ. Do you remember Paul? Paul Webb, He's yeah, now in Australia. Memory. Yeah, yeah. He's now in Australia. He, um, and he Australia. Oh. Yeah, he was moved to Australia. Right. Um, uh, God, who else? Right. Or, or, anyway. Yeah, the Amazing Glossal Men went on Hot, to. Hot House Flowers. No, the Amazing Glossal Men went on to release. One or two albums yeah, in Virgin they and then disappeared. Another, they Compulsion, Compulsion. Who were signed to One Little Indian. Ah, uh, yes. And they toured all over yeah. like the world, Japan. And I think and they only did an America. album or two and then they imploded yeah. or disappeared. But they or were whatever. proper rock stars now. They so were rock stars. They were. Oh, I remember I saw them in London. And they uh, they, they were, had no problem wearing shades yeah, at any in, yeah. time. In fact, day. they had a problem taking them off. Yeah. <laughs> in bed at night. Do I have to? Do I have to? Uh, and... Then I, so I was, I, I started writing. I wasn't very good. I was, you know, I was okay. Yeah. I, I had more neck than anything else. But um, I started writing for other people in Dublin. Do you remember the free Dublin event guide? Yes. And it was God, doing the Dublin really event hard. guide. Mm. I was, I was doing a TV column for the Dublin event guide. Mm. Uh, not a what's on, but more, you know, looking at behind the scenes stories or trends or whatever. Mm. And I remember I went out to RT to interview Moya Doherty. Yeah. My daughter was a senior producer in RTE at the time. She's now the chairman of the board of RTE. Gee. And in between has made her fortune with her husband, John McColgan, on Riverdance. She's done very she, well. She was the exec producer on the on the Eurovision in Ireland in the point in 94 when Michael Flatley and Jean Butler did the Riverdance thing. And they looked at it and went, oh, this has got more life than, you know, just mm. a, 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 a three minute mm. interval act. Mm. And they themselves and Bill Whelan and the rest is history but I went out to interview Moya she was doing a show called She's Got It Um, six female uh, five of them were Irish uh, singer songwriters uh, and Nancy Griffith so it was Maura O'Connell Mary Black Mary Coughlin yeah, I'm not sure who the others were. Was that like the? And uh, they each did their own show. Only a woman's. No, well no, before, before it. That. Well before it. This was '88. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they each did their own show on a Saturday night. In, brought in their own guests and got up and performed with them. All right. Like Jules does, you know. Yeah. Like the, so, anyway, this was kind of. I won't say it was groundbreaking, but it was. It was interesting. It was new. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the interview half an hour afterwards we were still talking the pair of us and we were talking I'd switched off the little tape recorder and we were still talking the interview was over but we were still talking uh, and we were the conversation had come round to the lack of a good music programme on RTE television mm. uh, and the lack of good young presenters mm. I was relatively young at the time and I had wa- always wanted to do, had hair I'd always wanted to do an Irish version of the tube so that was the end of 88. She said, give us a shout in January and we'll put together a proposal for a music television programme. And I said, a what? A pro- a pro- what? Mm. Oh, oh, oh programmes that just don't turn up fully formed, made on the telly. You have to propose them and get them commissioned. All right. OK. So early to 89, we put a lot of work into this idea for an Irish television music programme. And it got to nearly, but it was beaten 
they they commissioned another music program. Do you remember the Seven Bands on the Up in the SFX, sponsored by Seven Up? Strangely enough, I vaguely remember it. A, a fat lady sings, a house blue in heaven. Uh, something okay. happens, the Fountainhead. Well. Each got a program, so Seven Bands on the Up. You mean that they got the whole half they hour? Got, they got a, a half hour or an hour each that's live. Unbelievable! That, that you, wouldn't happen. That now. wouldn't. No way. Yeah. No way. Uh, yeah. And so. You know, when she told me, she said, listen, I have bad news for you. We didn't get the commission. The, this oh. other. And I said, ah, OK. She said, there, you just learned a lesson. Most of the stuff you pitch won't Does, get made. Right. But she said, but, she said, uh, I think you should go and talk to um, head to toe or looking for new presenters. And I went, what's mm-hmm. head to toe? Yeah. And she said, that's the fashion program that had been going for a year. And I went, mm. fashion, me, mm. you mad? She said, listen, you won't get it, Mm -hmm. but it'll be a good experience. Yeah. And the rest, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's history. So she she was the one who pushed me towards that thinking, ah, go on, do it. Do the audition for a laugh. Yeah. And I got it. I think that was amazing because you were like a normal lad. I mean, I don't know the type of presenter. I wasn't gay. Doing a fashion show. No, that's true. The amount of people yeah. who said to me, "Wow, a, a straight guy doing a fashion show." I suppose yeah. I didn't even think about it. But I didn't know fashion. Fashion wasn't my background. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They reckoned I could do the television and they could teach me the content. Right, right. And right. that that they, the, the the approach in television now and in most broadcasting is the opposite. You f- try to find someone who knows their topic inside out and is passionate about it. Yeah. And uh, and articulate and can do the television as well or you can teach them the television um so most presenters are historians or architects or gardeners mm. the, you know the 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 job of being a tv presenter it's not gone it's not gone at all but in documentaries and in feature programs they try and they're experts they're experts in, in the their, field in their, and then yeah. they're trained to, to well work. they then get to see if they can do it sometimes you mm. can't teach it to someone they can either do it or they can't do it but you can if they if they have if they have a, an inkling of it, you give them flying hours and the more they do, the better they get. And if they're well produced and well directed, they will improve. I so that's the way more people able to present now because we've grown up watching Probably. TV. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know the way it was back in the, say, 70s presenters. The 1870s. They were very, they could be very posh. Or, you know, they, uh, I, I th- well, I think that had gone by the time. By the time I started broadcasting, the problem was the mid-Atlantic drawl, oh, that and that thing. was the pirate radio thing. Where well, that's another hey, thing. How you doing? You had the country accent I, as well, which was unusual at the time. I started on my first uh, taste of broadcasting was on pirate radio in 1980, the back of a caravan in Newbridge, mm. hot seating with Ray Darcy. Um, he was on before me. Raised from Kildare. Raised from Kildare. Did you know him growing up? I went to school with his brother Joe. Yeah, yeah. I used to steal his records. Joe red hair. No, that's 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 Huey. Huey. Okay. Huey might be in the states now. You know, I grew up in. I I went to school in Clane as well. Oh really? And I definitely met some uh, of the nurses. Hugh, I think maybe when I was. He might have been in a band. I think I actually broken doll. Broken Doll, yes. Broken Doll. That's right, because I was Kildare's punk band band with the Gilfoyles, Noel and Anthony Gilfoyle. I was in a band called the Cuffs. There you go. Do you know why we're called the Cuffs? Because it's Fox spelled backwards. Anyway, uh, so... Cuffs is Well, without the S. Yeah, okay. So it actually doesn't work at all. No, it doesn't work. It's the stupidest (laughs) name ever. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I went to a wedding reception that Broken Doll were going to play at a wedding reception. Wow. Uh, Broken Doll at a wedding. Well, must have been a relation, yeah. Must have been. But I got up with them when we did... uh, uh, 
ever fallen in love with someone. All oh, right, Buzzcox. I'm sure it was a terrible version. The spinal of it. scratch but, EP. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Small country. Yeah. Small world. I still wouldn't want to eat it though. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So that's when I caught it, and and um, I I at the time was very aware of this. Uh, hey, how are you? Welcome to. Uh, whatever radio station and my name is and you take a first name and a second name Tony James you know Paul Martin and I went ah fuck that yeah. and I went how are you it's Pat O'Mahony here and uh, I'm going to play some music yeah and, and I just thought I, I, listen if, if, if that's not what they want then I'm not interested it's really bizarre to say that I'm sure loads of people are going what, what's, what's strange about that but at the time, at the time that was yeah the, the, that's that, like the, Nova was the big pirate radio station and mm. Sunshine in Dublin uh, yeah. and then Radio Dublin and there was lots of other ones now I was mm. down the country in Kildare so we mm. didn't hear a lot of it but I I remember sending demo tapes around God the innocence of it all oh yeah I'm sure, with handwritten notes I mean I think I, I I cringe when I think of someone opening it, going, "Oh, for fuck's sake," you know, and it just looked off. It, uh, you know, no, presentation is so important when you're put. You know yourself when with the band when you're mm. sending something into a record company. It's got to you've got to make them want to listen to it. Mm. And handwriting, scrawling, you know, a letter and, and that rambles and unedited tape, and it's oh, bad recording sound quality. You know, no wonder I never got a gig. <laughs> oh, well, I mean. <laughs> that and I was crap. You were doing something. I was, I was trying. Yeah. I was trying. What the hell? Me ma said you're very trying. Yeah. And so how, how long did you do Head to Toe for? Five years, 89 yeah. to 94. Yeah. Um, I... Must be great crack though, hanging out with models and everything. I I remember <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of model we did a lot of fashion shows. And yeah, you would be yeah. constantly traipsing in and out through the changing areas with the camera crew, you know, getting shots and whatever. Yeah. And I remember I used to often say it that, you know, you got so the models in various states of undress. And you just got so used to it that you'd stroll through and go, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But underneath you're going, Oh my god, Nicholas women! Oh my god, Nick oh no. Yeah. Um but uh, it, it was it was a great show to work. it was a great show I had no interest in the content I mean yeah. you know look at me I'm wearing a pair of jeans and t-shirt mm. and uh, uh, and I was before I started this that was you know docks jeans and a t-shirt that hasn't changed much in in, right. in 30 years but um, I learned I got stuck in yeah. I wore suits and I you know tried different things yeah. different looks um, I learned about designers, who was who. Um, I, but it was a great show to learn how to make television on because mm. we, as presenter stroke reporters, wrote our own scripts Did you? with the help of the producer. Mm. We, I kind of was in charge of sourcing music for the edit so that I'd give them too much music but a choice saying that'll work there that'll work there whatever mm. um, we we came up with stories we researched those stories We, I mean we had a researcher and we had producers who were doing it as well we were all doing it um, we were scouting locations we were booking models we were booking we weren't booking crews because we had a crew inside and then when you were out filming if you had any interest at all you know you'd be looking at what the what the director was doing what the cameraman was doing and the different shots they were they were setting up and then you'd watch I know I rarely sat in on an edit but you'd then see the end product and go ah I see oh, oh I see what they were doing mm. all oh, right okay so I, I learned the language like of television doing something yeah. to learn. you pick up everything yeah I learned the language of television mm. very quickly so that you know many years later when I went to direct my first documentary I kind of 
knew what I was well if you ever know what you're doing in this business I had some grounding in yeah I pretended to know no I mean I find that working like five series of, of Killing Scully I really got to know the whole ins and outs of working for acting for the TV. language of drama but the whole thing yeah, of your drama. mark you, yeah. you know you have to take your mark yep. and you have to do that without looking down without even at thinking the mark. about it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and all that called and then, acting my dear fellow and then the, it becomes Sec, you know, it's just second nature yeah. eventually. But when you start out, that's all. Well, it's very odd to have a load of people just looking at you with lights. And It's funny you say that. And My uh, one, I, I wrote, I do this uh, blog post called Off Message about the media. And I have a very loose definition of the media. Um, and some of it is just me giving out about stuff or giving insights into stuff. And some of it's personal stories. And I wrote about uh, almost being in Father Ted. I know you were in oh, Father yeah. Ted. Do you remember oh, that article I where, where I, I, my, my, yes, my I starring yeah, yeah. role didn't make the final didn't edit. It ended up on the edit floor. And mm. the weird thing about it was, as a presenter at the time, um, uh, I was used to a, a camera crew, you know, being set up and I would talk to the camera or whatever. And there was three or four people behind the camera. Yeah. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. When we were down there in Ennis Diamond that day, out the house, which, which is where is that? Oh well, it's I don't it's know. Near Ennistim- I anyway. even find it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's near Ennistim- We yeah. were we were out there, and suddenly it was my turn to do. And I had a walkie-talkie, and I was to shout into the walkie-talkie, oh, okay. and that was all. I had two lines, and I stood there, and the next minute there was like a hundred people watching me, <laughs> yeah. and I swear I went to jelly. Yeah. I I was rubbish. Uh, I I mean, I said many years later to the lads, was was it? Because there was no room for it, or was it because I was shit? And they went, oh, yeah, you're shit." I mean, uh, jokingly. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Arthur says he'd never say such a thing, but we were in we were in um, a pub in Camden after watching an Irish game, and the copy came up in conversation, and they said it all right, yeah. and it wasn't cruel. They were being yeah. like, "I was, I, right. I knew I was shit." Okay. <laughs> well, so I know what you mean by that. Look, getting but, used to people well, looking uh, at uh, you, and uh, the makeup people yeah. just look come up. Really close to you and look at your face. Yeah, yeah. They, it, to them, it's a piece of furniture. That's it. You're, yeah. It's an object. No, I, and and, and camera coming up and putting light meters around you and whatever. And you just, you know they're doing their job, so you let them get on with it. Yeah, well, that, but at first it's like, what the f- you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a very intimate thing, someone going that close to you and looking at your face, but it's nothing. They're just looking at. That's it. At your canvas. Nose. Yeah. You're yeah. a canvas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the other stuff. Well, you know what's really weird when you're doing it? Uh, people holding your an umbrella over you. Did you, you know that kind of thing when you're on a shoot, and people. I never had. Yeah, I never had that as as. Did you not? No, as a as on head to toe, we were never allowed. We were always kept grounded. We always carried our own stuff, and we always did our. Own. I remember when I went to the Beeb in when I left in went to London ninety eight. First gig I got was as a reporter on Watchdog. Mm. First report I was doing, you know, was the other side of London, mm. and we were working out the schedule, you know, the day before. And this producer said to me, so what time do you want the car to call around for you? And I went, what? I'll get the tube. Mm. They went, no, no, we'll send you a car. And I said, I'll get I'll get the, ch- the tube is only down the road for me and I'll be there quick. I'll get the tube. They said, they looked, they, I could see them looking at each other going, Jesus, the talent doesn't want a car. <laughs> you know, I, what, what, mm. I what people were used to, but I mm. used to help our, the crew in with gear and, you know, oh, yeah. and whatever. We would, we would always yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, we had a joke when I started head to toe that when we were out on location, 
bet wherever I sat down, camera mode, I'd want to put a light or, or a tripod, the camera tripod there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, but I, I never I had. I, I, I remember doing TED that day, and mm. I know Eugene O'Connor, you know, the, the camera, yeah, 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 cameraman, the, yeah, great mate. Yeah. He, was, he directed Killing yeah, Scully. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Eugene would be standing there and he'd be talking with Declan Lowney, who's directing it. Yeah. And they'd work out the shot. Yeah. And then, I don't know whether Eugene would say camera, but he'd have a bevy of guys swarming around him. He wouldn't have to bend over. They'd pick the camera up, place it on his shoulder. He'd do the shot. Yeah. They'd shout, cut. And the guys would lift the camera off his shoulder. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, 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 I th- yeah. Now, there are different gigs that Eugene does. I know he does a lot of music gigs where that would never no, happen. Yeah, but it yeah, happens yeah. in drama. Uh, yeah, drama is its own you, world yeah, that I don't know very much about. It, it might just uh, a little bit of mist might come over, and then suddenly there's someone holding an umbrella over your head. You're not even holding your own umbrella. People put uh, they don't even they put a coat on you. They don't call it a coat; they call it a keep warm. Yeah, you know it's very. But strange. it's in their interests because yeah. if you get water on, there'll be continuity problems. Yes, yeah, if yeah. If you yeah. get cold, yeah. you won't act as well. You won't be as comfortable. And so the reason they send a car around for you is because then they know you will there. be on set. Yes, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. But there's also a little bit of pampering that goes on. That but it's but nice the fact to get that a you're car. even called the talent is. Strange. I always hated that. I it's still hate the that talent. Word. The talentless. But bring the talent on. Or set. a turn. Yeah. What's a turn? Because as an actor, you you do a turn. I do a turn. Yeah. So you you're mm. called the turn. It's very rarely used, very old fashioned mm. word, but I have heard it used. The turn. That's mm. uh, it's a different world altogether. And mm. then you have to go back to real life and hold your own umbrella. <laughs> it's terrible. It's like when it's very hard to get used it's like, to. It. It's like the story of you know Bono coming off tour and Ali sends him to a hotel for a week to calm the fuck down. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, speaking of using a car, you know. Did you know that Eugene O'Connor worked on a chat show uh, that Shane McGowan did, did a pilot for Shane McGowan hosted a chat show? Have you heard that's about my, that? That's my Shane McGowan impression. No, when was this? Uh, it was shot over, well, I don't know when. Recently? But it was, uh, no, 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 Jesus. Uh, uh, but it was shot in LA uh, and there was a pilot done and oh. it was shot in, um, oh, some well-known club owned by... The Viper Rooms. The Viper Rooms. Yes. By Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. And I think the guests were uh, one of the pen, maybe not Sean Penn, Chris Penn. Uh, uh, maybe, yeah. And uh, maybe Johnny Depp and so about that. But yeah, obviously yeah. people who had a connection yeah, to yeah. Irishness or... Or, or pretend Irishness. And, uh, and apparently it, it was going well until, until Shane, Shane kept to talk. drinking and then they couldn't understand his questions. <laughs> but what an idea. It's, yeah, it's hilarious. I wanted to do a show with Boy mm. George uh, where he went round to people's houses and actually had tea with them. Tea with Boy George. Like, right. you know, remember his it's, famous saying of rather have a cup of, 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 cup of tea than sex. sex yeah. And I thought, God, there's great. It never happened. Um, but, you know, it would be him. He would be good. He would be, he? It would be him in someone's house. Yeah. Boy George, if you're listening, copyright Pat O'Mahony. Mm. Call my agent. Oh, tea with. Better get an agent. Tea with. He would boy George, and he would go around to people's houses. Not, not they would come to him, mm. because then each week you would have a look around their gaff, but also yeah. a sit down chat he, about, yeah. you know, their lives and whatever. Or you could, you know, he could have sex with them. Either, yeah, not whatever. have the cup of tea. Yeah, just have sex with them. <laughs> Depends on who they were, <laughs> and he could compare. It's either <laughs> he could have sex we, and a cup of tea. It'd be kind of a, a surprise, and it would be which is oh, which is if, better if he really liked you. Which is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. he really liked you, he'd have a cup of tea with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, lordy do. Sex it, boy, George. Anyway, uh, so you did head to toe. That finished after five years. And well, no, I left it after five years. Left. I mean, it, it continued on for another three years. Yeah. Um, I just had enough of it. Yeah. The content had would never interest me. So once the learning curve eased off, you know, yeah. the, I kind of knew. Right, yeah. I just kind of, you know what, for my own sanity, like yeah. from a um, business point of view, it was a stupid decision, you know, money-wise. But I do that all the time. Mm. I remember years ago, my sister turned up at the door of the flat in Sandy Mount. Um, I must have been on head to toe, but just briefly. And she'd left a job as a nanny. She mm. hated it. And she'd arrived at the door and I said, oh, hi, what's the story? She says, mm, I've handed him a notice, I've left. And I said, ah, I said, I'm not surprised. I could see that coming. What are you going to do? She says, I've no idea. I said, you haven't got another job lined up? She said, no. I said, how could you be so stupid? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, all right, come on in. Let's, you know, <laughs> make yeah. a cup of tea. Um, so I, I, I left and mm. that's when I started to do a lot more radio. Mm. I mean, I did a, a, a series up out in Ardmore called Options, which is a careers program that no one remembers. I did uh, Fela 95 down in Cork, the, the last Fela. You did a radio? No, we did that Sorry. in television. This was television. TV. Sorry. So that was the end of the TV presenting, for the most part, mm. until I, I did a lot of radio. I did, I think, uh, I, I worked on the Live Register, which is a program about employment and unemployment issues, which mm-hmm. on peak time afternoon, Radio 1 would never happen now. Uh, I did a series called Off Your Trolley, a lighthearted look at how we spent our money. And then the last thing I did before I left for London, 98, for a year and a half was a program about the music business, a thing called Access All Areas. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and that's, I ended up producing that. Oh, yeah. So that's how I slipped so into were, being a radio producer. I was yeah. never trained to produce or direct right. or anything or present or anything in my life. Yeah. So someone says, go do it. Yeah, go, but you, you, that's the okay, best way to it. learn. Well, I think, I think whatever works for you. I don't think you can learn something. No, but you can, get the, you can get a lot of groundwork. There's nothing beats experience and watching and, yeah. and observing and doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went to London. I got a gig as a reporter and watchdog and, and hated it. So I did that. For you the contra- hate it? I hated it. Yeah, no Why? interest in consumer affairs, right. none whatsoever, uh, and wasn't a f- huge fan of Anne Robinson. So w- was it hard working with her? Uh, yeah. Okay. I just didn't like it. I didn't oh. like. I didn't like her. Didn't like it. Didn't like the setup. What and, about the? Uh, and I was. I said. A, things were I said a few things, and I, I was gradually by the end of the. Year I was doing bugger all. Right. I wasn't being used, yeah. and they didn't renew me contract. And I went, yeah, thanks. And that's when I started pitching ideas, and that's when I started moving behind the, you know, being a producer and producer director, and you mm-hmm. know, and and then I came home when the arse fell out of the business over there. It fell out of it here too in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. I was working on two huge projects for Five for Channel Five that in development. Yeah. that we're going to make my fortune. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone started talking about subprime mortgages and Lehman Brothers and advertising falling off a cliff and self and the exec producer at the production company were looking at each other going, but five are still talking to us. They must be okay. Mm. And they weren't. And they pulled the plug in it. And that was the last time I worked in London. And luckily in 09, early 09, I this idea for a, a TV thing that I pitched to RTE and mm-hmm. um, they went oh we like that and I came home to make it and I never went I stayed home and never went back Right yeah yeah and uh, I've worked with you recently on uh, that I love the way you say recently it was actually two years ago two and a half years ago now it was you couldn't make it up Yeah on News Talk Yeah it was the end of 2013 early 2014 it was oh. a 10 part 
comedy news panel show yeah. that we did uh, for News Talk. Uh, we recorded it out in the Helix. Yes. And we just heard, we applied, it, it was mostly funded by, via the BAI, their mm-hmm. Sound and Vision Fund. And uh, we applied for to do another run of it last year. But they told us to go and take a hike um, because we had made a lot of mistakes on the on the application form and they had misread a lot of stuff. So it was fault on both sides. Mm. So I sat down with them and had coffee earlier this year and we went through everything with a fine tooth comb. So we reapplied and we've got just got funding for a second run. That's brilliant. So we have to get sponsorship to make up. the. They never give you the full amount. So we have to get sponsorship to make up the full amount. So hopefully this autumn we'll... So we'll record it in town, I think, closer because getting people out to the mm-hmm. he- lovely venue, love the Helix and the space out there, which is the room we used, was particularly perfect for it. Yeah. But uh, getting nice people getting people out there is, yes. was, yeah, was yeah. just impossible. Yeah. Nigh on. We never had a decent crowd, never a decent audience. You wouldn't know it from listening to the programme. Yeah. But... Uh, um, so we'll hopefully do it somewhere closer in town. Hopefully know, this autumn, do, do you but if think, not, in the spring. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. We may uh, not ask you to do. Yeah, it I know. Yeah, but I'm looking forward you were rubbish. to the hope that I will have <laughs> until you say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hope that killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, um, are Irish audiences tougher for a panel show? I always get the impression when I listen to BBC Radio Four, the audience are really with it. And even if the show is rubbish. <laughs> You're no. asking the wrong person because I've never worked on a British yeah. panel show. Well, I was listening to something last night. It was uh, the comedy of the week on the podcast. You yeah, know, they, that they these come. podcasts will never and take off. And I listened off. to two of them and they were rubbish. But the audience were going for everything. But I remember back in the day, uh, some pretty rubbish live comedy yokes on RTE television and people laughed their socks off. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, so we. Uh, Is uh, it we, the wine they get in the, we, in the green uh, when we arrived when when the audience arrived for you couldn't make it up. They got a, a glass of wine. Mm. Now you don't want them drunk, no. but just nicely lubricated mm. and and the, the you know someone to go out and make them get them in the mood, get a few giggles out of them so that they're they're ready. Yeah, a bit of a warm up. Yeah, yeah, uh, but also also if if an audience makes the effort of going out, they want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And you remember yourself from doing it with us. They were part of it. They they fed off us, you know, uh, me as the host, you as the panellists. Mm. But we fed off them, their yeah. reaction. And it was this loop. So, uh, listen, I just think it's a human thing. I don't, again, most things that you think are typically Irish, nah, they're not, not at all. I, I, I don't think our audiences are harder, mm-hmm. easier, probably the same. Most things. Yeah, and I think actually when something gets uh, traction, the audiences then know it. Yes. Before they arrive. When you start something new, like I remember yeah. when I started on Head to Toe, you know, mm. in we'd be ringing people and saying, yeah, we're fashion program in art. And they go, what? Oh, what? Head to what? Mm. And by Christmas, the phones were ringing with people contacting us wanting to I be on the show. A, uh, Do you know what I mean? Tweed jacket. <laughs> I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> and what is uh, has Irish fashion oh, I don't know about you fashion you don't know about I fashion I don't care about fashion in fact I to some degree I despise the fashion business because it's the most wasteful business like it's making you twice a year 
buy shit I you know. don't need. It is weird. It's so wasteful. And it's mm. also, I was ta- only talking to someone about it over coffee yesterday. You know, the whole beauty industry. It's a book I read back in, I think, 1990. It was The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. Mm-hmm. I think Naomi Klein is the political author. I think it was Naomi Wolf. And it was about how, you know, patri- patriarchal society has given women the vote. Very nice of them. And and nice. and maybe some inkling of equality in the workplace, mm. an inkling, not not. Uh, but they have them by the short and curlies when it comes to beauty and cosmetics. They make them feel ugly, make them feel they need all this shit. They have to wear makeup that mm. they have to wear heels so high, you know. And and that's how they keep them in their place. But this is the thing that's the theory that I've of the beauty myth. So much time. I mean, feminism's been around for so long, and yet girls are still wearing massive heels that they can, can't walk in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's bizarre. It is. The fashion industry I mean, has a lot to answer it's for. It's gone back. I would say it's gone back. Well, it goes in cycles. It goes in cycles. It goes in cycles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't be a fan of the fact. I don't know people and in it. I Now there's a war a, on hair, it's on pubic hair. It's, oh, yeah. Get rid of that the stuff. war on pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> the war on terror has no hope, but well, the war pubic on hair, pubic hair. Any hair, leg hair. <laughs> that's so that's nothing new. That's not. Ah, it is. I think it is. Uh, like, like. I, well, uh, possibly because well, look, of the, sorry, the advent, the, I, avail- the, e- the now the easy availability of porn. Back in the day when, before the internet, before streaming, before broadband yeah. we didn't see porn very much we saw the odd copy of Penthouse and Playboy and we thought God yeah, I, but even the now, porn people had pubes well <laughs> did they I'm no expert <laughs> well I actually my first uh, uh, encounter with porn and when you say porn it was just people posing yeah it. now it was, it's they weren't people having sex yeah yeah uh, my first world. the first thing I said is <laughs> the hair on their head this girl's hair is the same as this the same colour I was like wow that they ma- that's amazing <laughs> there you go surprise uh, surprise but anyway uh, but no uh, sorry because when the whole punk thing started like she had Patti Smith there's a photo of Patti Smith on the album with her arm up and that's she's right, got yeah. uh, Julia Roberts uh, did, had underarm you know, hair it was a scandal when she and, uh, for, was a pretty woman when she had hair yeah, under her arm or was yeah. it subsequently but it really would be a brave move for a woman to grow her under in mainstream in mainstream certainly mainstream America and I think uh, that's yeah. It's mad. Shocking. It's mad. It's ridiculous. I agree. It's hair. We're feminists, Joe. F- like people are afraid of hair. <laughs> we are happy with our feminism. It'd be like if, uh, well, it's like in America, aren't they? Most men have the old <whistles> gone, the foreskin gone. Oh, really? I'm not, I, I don't know. No? I don't know if mo- I don't know what the statistic on it is. But it's not just a Jewish thing. I think it's no. It's uh, it's not. It's common. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a circumcision is more common there than it is here. Yeah. Yeah. And your point is colour? My point is, uh, I was uh, I went out with an American girl, and I just should I be saying this anyway? Uh, it was just, just hit pause there for a second. Anyway, oh my God, Joe, did you really say that? You see, there was the edit. No, it's just the first. Time. <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, I went out with her anyway, but anyway, but it was just that the she'd never seen an uncut girl. yeah penis. It was like wow. wow. Wow, man. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> awesome. Ah, okay. Uh, right. How so did we get, how did we get there? How we got get from there? How do we I don't know. Anyway, so yes, you couldn't mm. make it up hopefully back in the autumn. Yeah, um, brilliant. The other the other yeah. mad thing I'm thinking of doing apart from not getting any more black eyes. 
think I'll keep away from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is at least get to it. This this Imagine. podcast malarkey. It's a it's a piece of piss, isn't it? Anyone can do it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Once you press record, <laughs> yeah, we're looking at the screen. Yeah, it looks like it's moving. Um, off message. It, I got, about two years ago, mm. about two and a half years ago, someone said to me, "I needed my own website." Mm. And I said, I don't know. Come on, I've email, I've Facebook, I've Twitter. People can get, you know, you, you mm. need your own. Over pints one night. And they said, meet me for coffee in the morning and I'll explain why. Mm. And 10 minutes later, I was thinking about getting my own website. She was dead right. So patomahoney.ie is now a thing. Mm. And when we were designing it, there was a little thing in the menu for blog. Blog, yeah. And I went, you can get rid of that. I won't. And, and the guy who was designing it went, well, here's the thing. Uh... How how does Google know a website exists because of links to it, traffic, you know, mm. so that it's it's active. If you are just using it to show people what you've done, i.e. as a calling card, as a CV, you'll only update it every few months, whereas most websites are updated every day, multiple times. So if you want, you need to drive traffic to the web. So you can use the blog to do that. And I went, yeah, but what will I write about? Mm. You know, I don't even like writing. So... I've started writing about the only thing I know. Well, not the only thing, but the thing I know most about, which is the media. And find I love it and I'm enjoying writing. Mm. And uh, I, I have written about... When is this due to go out? When will this be go live? About two weeks. Or oh, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, by then. All right. By the time this goes out, Off Message 31 will have been published because I wrote about it last night. It was about the black eye, which is not about the media, but actually I made it... Uh, I used it as a way to talk about social media and to talk about mm. crime reporting in the media, which is what, funnily enough, back in 86, I did my dissertation on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 by coincidence, out, out in NIHE Dublin, now DCU. Um, uh, so uh, it's taken off. Like mm. people are, re no, no, not any huge degree. I mean, it's not gone viral or worldwide or whatever. But I've written about news reporting. I've written about me and Ted. I've written about how to pitch an idea. I've written about um, why Gogglebox works because it's the simple, you know, simple mm. format. Simplicity is the key, and all different things about television and radio, about high definition, about football on television, about about shooting making television during Christmas which is a pain in the arse because there's all the Christmas decorations in the background and the, but it won't be seen until January or February and you know all that malarkey it's just stuff that people don't think about and a few people have said to me you should do a podcast so I'm currently looking into mm. doing an off message podcast to go with the blog to go with the website whatever yeah. and I had a talk with Andrew at Castaway which produces, is where it yeah. produces yeah, your fabulous Potterooney yeah. um, I've spoken to other people who do do podcasts and I think that will be I mean I, I'll still do the writing mm -hmm. the that would be the plan the problem is of course the busier you get the less time you have to write or do podcasts whatever mm -hmm. and I've been extremely busy the last three years mm -hmm. mostly in Radio 1 producing on everything from <sighs> Mooney John Murray Liveline Marion Finucane Late Debate um, Marty Morrissey etc etc all, all the greats yeah <laughs> um, witnessed the Marty party have you? oh man I was there were you there no I wasn't I, I co-produced I was there with Olin Olin McGowan yeah um, we, yeah that was a great old show the mm. last show of the series of the run the four week run uh, in January last year um, so uh, um, that would be the plan now now I have some time because I'm not working at the moment mm. I'm just doing some bits and pieces 
Um, I finished in Radio 1. They've taken on a whole batch of new full-time producers, so I think working there is going to dry up a little bit. Mm. For me, I'll still get the odd call, no doubt. Um, I still do a bit of OBs on the weekend, outside broadcast on the weekend with 2FM. Um, mm. uh, I have the news talk gig to try and sort. Uh, you couldn't make it up. Yeah. Something of doing yeah, off messages as a podcast. Off so message. talking about media stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't know how well to, I. I don't know. It's just keep an eye, keep an ear out for it. Yes. It, yeah. It, uh, there's a, there's a. I believe there's a podcast in the states off message about political stuff. This will be about media stuff. Yeah, it sounds great. So fingers crossed. If you have a if you have a spare studio that you're not using, let me know or. A, I'd say there's a few studios here. Of the many studios that are here in Castaway, I think there'll be a spare one. Uh, I, it's not. We'll, it, we'll I, I need one. to get out and about. I need to buy myself a Zoom and some microphones. Yeah, I have a Zoom H4 and a uh, couple of... Uh, do you use it? I've used it. I've started using it. I had a tiny little Zoom uh, H2, I think it was called. But yeah, the H2, just yeah, told, yeah. But it would, it didn't take XLR. So, you, so I've got you've a H4 got the H4 with now. the two XLR inputs and you I've get yourself two little mic stands. Uh, yeah, sometimes you don't need to stand, you just hold it. Yeah, I think, it, well, holding yeah. it is move. I, I have two mic stands, like this set up here. Yeah, so yeah. So get so people in close to the mics and Yeah, I've used really it recently sexy. with uh, an interview with Jimmy Smith, the great guitarist. Oh, yeah. He was in the bogey boys. He was, he was also, and Jimmy Smith, Oh, well, I'm thinking of, sorry. Of Gloria. Yeah, I'm thinking of Jimmy Slevin, who was in Peggy's Leg. Peggy's Leg. Never heard of them. Yeah, Jimmy Smith. I remember the Bogey Boys. Never did Big in Britain because Bogey is snot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, Why I, would you call yourself I the know. Snot Boys? Well, maybe it was a punk thing. I don't know. Don't know. Um, but uh, he's done. All, he, he's won a great. Co-wrote a Grammy-winning song with Tony Childs. No, oh, really. Played the Grammys twice. Wow, very good. Uh, I was at an after-show Grammy party with Commitments. Were you? We were, yeah, we were over in New York for, doing what Head to doing? Toe. Oh, oh, you were doing Head to Toe? Just doing a week while, at, while they were to, there. And they happened to be there by coincidence. And Barbara, um, co presenter Barbara McMahon, flew out mm. uh, a couple of days before me, and a few of them were on the plane and said, Hey, what are you doing? All right. Yeah, mm. And she looked at them going, Who the fuck are these? I know she said. Yeah. And she said, They said, Is Pat coming over too? They said, yeah, he'll be over. And, oh, great. Tell him. Where are you staying? Yeah, this was before email and yeah. mobile phones. This was 90. 91 was it I think and I, uh, I was actually over in New York when they were over as well I just happened to be doing a few gigs with Paul Tylack oh, and I met yeah, them yeah. was that when they were over for the Grammys well I don't know they were over there when the film was out because I actually oh, okay. went to see the film in Long Island and there was a pamphlet explaining a lot of the, the lingo yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the lads said there was a club a really popular good club in uh, New York I can't remember what it's called it was in like a, a church anyway uh, all I had to do was go up and say uh, oh, I'm with the commitments uh, with just like that and they didn't ask any questions you were brought straight up wow. into VIP wow. even when the commitments left town when they all oh, really? had to leave I could still go still in still go in there yeah. oh brilliant because <laughs> they were they were over for the Grammys and they we came in from filming that afternoon and yeah. two of the lads Dick Massey and I forget who else were sitting at the, the bar in Fitzpatrick's and on Lexington Ave where we were staying yeah and uh, excuse me sir there are gentlemen to see you in the pa- in the bar so mm. I went in and there were the lads and uh, like, oh Jesus how are you and they said listen we can't invite you to the Grammys but there's an after show party 
mm. if you want to come down to the Four Seasons afterwards, the MCA uh, Records uh, party. Mm. I went, oh, Jesus, all right. And I knew we were up early filming the next morning. Um, but we still, we had, we, we watched the Grammys upstairs with uh, John Fitzpatrick, who, who was running it in his suite. And we had drinks and a bit of grub and whatever. And word filtered through that I had been invited to the uh, uh, Grammys after show party. So in the end, about seven of us, it turned out it was only down the street, about mm. three blocks away. John knew exactly where it was. And uh, um, before I knew it, I had a, a posse of about seven people mm. <laughs> following me, you know, walking down. At a, this was at maybe, you know, 11, 12, midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning. So uh, down we all traipsed and um, uh, turned the corner and there was the red carpet out and some heavies. And at this stage, the lads kind of backed off a little and ushered me forward mm. <laughs> walked into the lobby and there was two tables and girls there sitting there with the guest list and the guest list was this sheets of printed out names and mm. I went oh there's no way we're on a list of printed out names because I only met the lads a few hours they probably forgot oh, fuck it so mm. I walked over to one of them and as I walked over I saw this grubby envelope at her elbow on the desk Mm. And I could read it upside down. It said Pat O'Mahony plus RTE crew. Lovely. <laughs> and scrawled on it. Yeah. And I yeah. went, how are you? I'm Pat O'Mahony and this is my RTE crew. And we were ushered straight in. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and we stayed there till the wee small hours and then had to get up the next morning filming. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good. Yeah, that's that's that, my commitment story. That's brilliant. Uh, well, listen. That's thanks. one of a few commitment stories. Oh, uh, do you want to? No. No, okay, Grant. I mean, I think I've shared more than you. In yeah, this I didn't get a word in. I've shared about my... Um, your uncut intimate, dick. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably common your, knowledge. I your, think that's been written nipple, about before. Your, your German nipple <laughs> fascination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's... But... Uh, it's not a big reveal, really, is it? That I, I'm not that sure about size. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm showing past now my penis. So. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Put a filter on that, baby. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, there you go. Shock. Shock horror. Uh, I so, have... will we do the introduction now? Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks a million, Pat. And uh, I can't wait to join you on that um, Fabulous. You couldn't make it up program if you are going to ask me to do it. What um, if we don't? Will that be embarrassing when we meet in the street? Maybe I should hold on to this interview <laughs> till I get the nod. <laughs> because you could cut this any which way. I could, yeah, you yeah. Could, yeah you yeah, could yeah, edit yeah, this yeah. to make me sound intelligent. Or, no, probably that's exaggerating, but to make me sound less worse. I could do anything with this. <laughs> it's unbelievable what I could do. Thanks, anyway, Joe. Thank you, Pat. Well, there you go, the wonderful Pat O'Mahony. And, uh, well, hopefully that uh, we'll be working together again on the News Talk panel show. So, uh, I am doing the electric picnic in uh, the next the weekend after this weekend, but it could be next weekend when you hear this, I don't know. But I'm doing quite a few things, so if you are at the electric picnic... I will be in the uh, comedy tent doing improv at uh, half three on the Saturday 
Uh, I'll be down at Body and Soul, probably around 5 or 6 that evening, uh, doing something. I'm not even sure, just while stand up, messing around, just playing stuff. I think I'll be joined by my son playing the guitar. And on Sunday, I'll be at the Lovely Horse uh, Rescue. Yeah, a lovely horse. Um, it's a song for Europe. A rubbish song for Europe is the event, and it's at the lovely horse stage, I think. And uh, Neil Hannan will be there. Kathy Davy, myself, Patrick McDonald, and there'll be a uh, competition. But my lovely, you know, there'll be a song co- competition called uh, "Rubbish Song for Europe," and I'll be judging that. And um, then at uh, six after six, I'll be down at the comedy tent doing my stand up again. So I'll be all over. I'll be all. Oh, the electric partner. And then I'll be in the spoken word tent later that Sunday night with the usual crack singing with uh, the afters. And uh, that's always a big, big, big load of crack on Sunday evening. Yeah. Um. So, the, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it. That's it. I'll be a uh, Wednesday night. I'll be with the, the Wednesday, the what? The, the, the Thursday, Thursday, sorry, Thursday, the 1st of September. I'll be in Whelan's and with Aidan Killian just um, hanging out there doing a gig. And uh, um, I I guess uh, uh, that's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm for a good thing coming up. I'm actually going to be interviewing the drummer from Chic. <laughs> so that's going to be good. Uh, but he'll be there at the Electric Picnic doing some... Uh, He's doing, he's doing some cooking demonstrations. <laughs> what? You know, uh, I think he's a restaurant in New York, so that'll be something. That'll be cool. So um, uh, 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 there's lots of gigs coming up. I think I'm in the Laughter Lounge. So, yeah, check it out on W... You know, does anyone say www. anymore? Do, do they? No, they don't. They don't. But I do, because I'm fucking old. Check out joerooneycomedian.com for all my dates. Um, well... I always say this, you know, but give me if you give me if you want to give me a five star rating, do it. Go on feckin' iTunes and feckin' do it and tell your friends and spread the word and talk to me on Twitter, man. Uh, you do that. Uh, thanks for listening and thanks to Andrew Magan for producing and um, Daniel Rooney for the music and thanks to Jack Cody's beer for the sponsorship and thanks to me and all my guests and everybody and go on, enjoy the day. Enjoy whatever you're going to do. Enjoy the night if you're going out. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the jog. Enjoy the drive. Goodbye. No matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Baker's.